Hey guys, it's uh, Andy here in another episode of the Mountain Malarkey Podcast with Dave. Hello everybody. How are we doing Dave? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Got something a little different today. Very different, yeah. So what we've done is we realised that uh, when we do the Tuesday tune-in over on Facebook, um, which we've been doing during lockdown... We had some comments and requests around, um, you know, not everyone's on Facebook, but people still wanted to hear about the content. There's been some great stuff. We've yeah. talked about bags. We've talked about battle of the treks. We talked about trekking boots, mindset, fitness, loads of stuff. And we thought to ourselves, well, why don't we turn these into podcasts? Because like you said, Dave, they're, they're sitting down listening for an hour. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, we've got a couple of, we had a couple of special guests, didn't we? We had a new head of operations over in Nepal. Yeah. Uh, Lee Wardle, Ironman triathlete. Um, gym owner and all around nice guy um, yeah and there's there's so much good information and good content there that and not everybody is on Facebook or yeah. can sit there and watch a video for an hour and a bit doing nothing so yeah this is a great format you can do it on the go put it in your car listen to it it's a bit interactive, so you're going to have seen us answer questions and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a little bit different. Um, you know, but if you're listening to this, obviously, yeah. um, and you have any questions about any of the things you hear, uh, podcast at evertrack.co.uk. Awesome, Dave. Yeah, enjoy the episode, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Yeah, hey, everyone. It's uh, Andy here, and Dave, all the way from... Well, I'm actually in Evertrack HQ, Dave, but... Yeah, exactly, yeah. I'm, in, um, I'm having a little vacation time in sunny Newport. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not a too bad place to uh, to be, is it? <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm back in the office on my on my lonesome. I, I'm coming here about a, a day a week at the moment. Um, but yeah, thought I'd do the live actually somewhere different than than home, which has actually been nice after a couple of months. Yeah. Um, so yeah, today. So as always in the in the Tuesday tune in, we know it's a it's a Q and A essentially. So if you do have any questions just before we go into the, the first bit, um, just post them in the comments. And me and Dave, um, you know, will will answer. But we hope, um, obviously, everyone's okay at the moment. I know it's it's got a little bit of ease of restrictions. I know mainly in England, but um, for us in Wales and and in Scotland, I know it's still more or less the same. So we we, we kind yeah. of um, you know we're all battling through. But I hope um, yourselves and your family and everything, um, you know, are all okay. Um, yeah. So today today was is, is all around boots. Um, personally. It's something that, um, you know, is massive when it comes to your trip. I know, Dave, you're passionate about the hiking boots, trekking boots. Yeah. I know you also like the cheeky pair of stilettos from time to time. Yeah. Well, um, you know, you've got to bring a bit of um, suave and sophistication to the trail, you know? <laughs> no, exactly. And it's you know, they're massively important, isn't it? I know between us, we've probably had two dozen pairs of boots since we've known each other over yeah. the last few years. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know how many I own. To be honest with you, I've lost. Yeah. But the search for the perfect boot is like you know, it's like the, it's like the quest for enlightenment. You know, it's it, it's a journey, not a destination. <laughs> and, um, yeah. yeah. So I, I well, having said that, I've got as close to enlightenment as is possibly to get with my recent pair of boots, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, but yeah, no, it's quite exciting, you know, because we've talked about what equipment you need, but it's always yeah, like, too big a conversation to have in one go because oh, there's that, so didn't we? Much- so yeah, so now we're going to do like um, you know, on various weeks we're going to do like the uh, the kit breakdown. You know, we're going to focus on certain most the key important parts of the kit that you need, and hopefully give you some tips on what you need to get right, what you can do to avoid getting it wrong, and uh, yeah, 
Yeah, nice. No, it's, it's made all of those mistakes for you. <laughs> well, this is it. I mean, over the last few years from, from taking people to, you know, Summit Achilles, Everest Base Camp, um, you know, all the different places that we do, we, we kind of like to think that we know what we're talking about when it comes to equipment. We're always learning, you know, we're, we're almost through, like you said, Dave, isn't it? through trial and error, finding yeah. the right routes that, that work for you. I mean, I think the most important advice and, and probably, te- I don't want to sound like I'm teaching people to suck eggs here, but it, it's common sense, really. If, you know, you want to make sure they fit. Yeah, uh, which is difficult in at the moment because you can't exactly go into a shop to try them on right now. You've got to order them online and, and hope they fit. Yeah. You know? um, well, you know, well, up until England, the 15th of June, looking forward to be at the shops being open, I bet. Yeah, um, I'm moving to Bristol and forgot to <laughs> <laughs> have those extra two weeks of shopping. Time, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's when, when it comes to your boots, obviously, they've got to fit. Um, you know, hey, Gary. Hey, Chris. Chris. Great to see Chris on here. I know he'd be messing each other in the last couple of weeks. Um, but I know he's been a, a long-time Evertrekker follower, as well as Pete, Sarah, two Sarahs, and Pablo. Thanks for, for joining us, guys. Any questions, do post them in the comments, all right? Me and Dave will um, uh, will answer them. So, yeah, with, with boots then. So you've got to fit, got to be comfortable. I know we've got some opinions in terms of what different types of boot you need. But I think, um, I think where we'll start, Dave, is... Yeah, we'll start by the different types, but almost the different types depending on what trip you'll do, right? Yeah, because it's quite interesting, actually, because I noticed Pablo's question there, which I no, want to... By okay. the way, is, is Pablo your um, your full name? Because, um, it's, it, yeah, it's an awesome name. Um, but, yeah, so, Pablo, right, with regard to what you said there, which brings us on to also the different types of boots yeah. that you can have. You've said you're going to Gokyo, and you want a pair that's actually going to be compatible with crampons. Yeah. So that leads us on to the two types of boots that you get. So some of them are going to be like um, hiking boots. Um, and they're kind of graded. There's a B number, which talks about the stiffness. B3 tending to be like a proper full of mountaineering boot. Yeah. You know, B2 slightly more flexible, but still crampon compatible. B1 and then all the way down to like ungraded, basically. Yeah. You only need a hiking boot for Gokyo. We say crampons, but they're sort of more like yak tracks, the chain grips that go around. Like boot, studs, aren't they? Yeah, and um, they'll be provided for you by the guide. Um, so you won't actually have to wear, you know, traditional crampons. Um, so you can have any boot, any trekking boot um, that's not crampon compatible and they will fit in. Yeah. Um, and we'll provide them for you. Having said that, if you do want a pair of like proper crampons, you can get ones that fit a normal trekking boot. They're not as secure. They're designed really to stop you slipping rather than climbing or anything like that. Yeah. But yeah, just to sum it up, so I have one here. Nice pun. Yeah. That was natural, me. I didn't even know. So yeah, <laughs> this is an example. This is one of the ones. I don't actually use it a lot, but it's very popular on the trail. Um, this is the Salomon um, GTX boot. 4D, I think it is, or something like that. Yeah, um, they're very, very comfortable. Conti grip, isn't it? It's quite stiff in the middle. Yeah, Conti grip, so it's got a grip. Yeah. Bracken there, a bit of Bracken. And, um, <laughs> I haven't seen yeah. that for a while. Yeah, they're quite stiff, but they're very flexible. And as you can see, they don't have any welt, welk on the front or back for crampons. Um, but Andy, do you have a pair that to show them what when we're talking about I'm when we say crampons? Thing, Dave, because I happen to have... Actually, this is a pair of yours because it's actually massive. Because I think Jesus, yeah, that yeah, is my scarpers, yeah. Because your you, your feet are a bit bigger than mine. But this is the uh, was it the Manta Pro GTX, right? Yeah. So this is very. Uh, I think Dave, I think you just said there in terms of this little bit here. Was it called the Welk? Yeah. The Welk, yeah. Yeah. So pretty much that's where the crampon grips onto, and then around the front. So this would be 
pretty much if you're if you're going to wear crampons or any winter mountaineering, this is a pretty damn awesome boot. This one, isn't it, Dave? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that that would fit. A, I think um, a C two crampon. Yeah. Um, C so crampons are graded C one two three, and then boots B one two three. Yeah. Um, and then you match them up. Now, the reason why you need to match them up is because that boot there has the welt on the back for the crampon to lock in, but the front will just have like a toe cage that goes over the front of the toe. You can get on the C3 and B3 boots, they'll have welts yeah. on the front and the back, so the crampon will lock in place, and that's really like a high-level um, crampon design for like climbing and mixed terrain and things like that. Definitely. I think if, you, if you're thinking of the type of trips that we do, um, where those would be ideal. You're talking, you know, Island Peak, Mera Peak. Yeah. Um, potentially, you might need these on Mount Tupkal in winter, um, yeah. depending on the conditions, because you could get away with, you know, just <clears throat> almost the most flexible you can get of crampons. Yeah. Um, but this is probably a bit overkill. But I say if you do in any form of uh, any peak, um, I know we're a million miles away, Dave. I, I, I'm happy to say this on the live, but. Yeah, it was very, very close, isn't it? So this very, is very close. Potential to use that on that sort of trip. Yeah, definitely very close. I mean, it's imminent. I would say imminent, imminent David. Imminent. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So thanks for that, Pablo. I hope that answers your question, mate. And um, yeah, nice one, Dave. Yeah. So talking. Um, so one thing I wanted to say was Sarah Bishop. Yes, Sarah. Hello, well, Sarah. That she's she's come up with a little controversial thing because you've sort of taken the jelly out of my donut there, Sarah. Because what I was leading up to, <laughs> I love the Bhutans. These are a revelation for me. These ones are, are a bit warm. Yeah. They've been base camp twice, Kilimanjaro, so they need a a waxing. But honestly, these boots for me have been a revelation. Um, the stability, the comfort, no yeah. blisters. Um, they've been absolutely perfect for me. So yeah, and it's they're, they're quite. Stiff as you can see, compared to the uh... good boots, I've got a pair. I, I yeah. think, I think, David, it, it also brings up a really good point, which is the fact that you know, although it works for for you, for me, I know for a lot of people, but it it's it's what works for you, isn't it? Is really yeah. find a boot that really works for you, and whether that means different types of insoles that you can put inside, because these uh, actually are yeah. my insoles from uh, my original pair of boutons. I don't wear them. I've actually bought a different uh, make. Yeah, um, and, and you've got certain ones in there as well, haven't you? Yeah, well, that's a that's a really important. Point. So basically, the 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 insoles that came with the Bhutans, yeah, are crap. There's no other way to put it. They're rubbish. <laughs> so I bought a pair of um, these are super feet, yeah. size F, but I did have to I had to trim them a bit with a Stanley blade. Um, and these are like specifically designed for trekking. I can't remember what they're called. They're definitely super feet trekkers or something like that. I'll find yeah. out. Next. Lauren, can you find out what the super feet trekking is called they're not cheap i'll be honest with you i paid about 32 quid for a pair of insoles but yeah, they, they, yeah a massive difference the, the the only difficulty with them is they only do like a few sizes yeah you need to make sure that the size fits you so i trimmed it very carefully around the edge um one thing i wanted to go on to sir so with you like you said obviously you've got lots of blisters lots of problems with your feet with the yeah. hands one thing you might want to try is go in the in the other direction and get in a really lightweight um type of boot and i know me and andy both have a pair of these yes this is a slightly older pair they do they have renewed them now but this is a brilliant hocker one ones and i think these are the tours but they do another one now um called the the sky kaha um and they're the, the they're the renewed ones of these now these ones are super light super flexible 
loads of bending. They are very flexible, aren't they? Very flexible. So, yeah, if you want more of a sturdy, strong boot, these are not for you. But if you find that your feet are getting chewed up by strong, yeah. sturdy boots, try one of these, the Hockers. Yeah. Um, they're designed, to, they're, the company does like uh, fell running and trail running and things like that. Yeah. But even though they're this flexible, you won't feel the stones under feet because they have so much. It's like that thick, isn't it, Dave? It's like, yeah. it's like literally moon boots. They're fantastic. Yeah. I've, I've got a pair of those. They're brilliant. Yeah. So you can see that mate, a sole. That's all yeah. unsole there. So you won't feel anything. Um, and again, they're, they're really light and flexible. So this is like yeah, the yeah. other end of the spectrum. I had a pair and I'd worn them to base camp. I prefer more of a stable boot because yeah. when I go downhill, I struggle in these. But I know a lot of people love them and swear by them. So yeah, look for up the a pair of hawkers, uh, Sarah, and they might they might be the answer that you need. Yeah, cheers, Lauren. And so yeah, I know uh, we always talk about our little our social yeti, um, but she is on the um, the message in there. So I think she's posted up about the Trailblazer Comfort insole. So cheers, Lauren. Thanks for posting that, mate. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Um, Feet Trailblazers. I was almost right. Almost right. Almost, Dave. Almost. Dave, Dave Rimington, I love this. Worth using Yeti Gators. Um, I hope there's is there a pair of yeah Yeti Gators, Dave? Uh, yes, there is. I think they're Berghaus. Is that another version of an alligator? No, I think they're called. I think they're called Yeti. And I, if I remember right, I think they've almost got like an outer boot. So like it's almost like you slip them over yeah. your boot, but they've got like a rubber outer boot. Bit hardcore. Probably have them if I was going. Hey, Spud. Sir Edmund Spuddery is among us. Is he? Um, He's on yeah. Hey, exactly. yeah. Mate. But no, with regards to those Yeti Gators, if they are the Burgess Yetis, they're they're massively overkill for anything you'll need. Yeah. I think they're like, if you were going to do the the Glencoe Challenge, there's and it's been raining. There's a real swampy bit by there that they would be perfect for. It would be fantastic. Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, the Burgess Yeti Gators probably a bit um a bit overkill to be honest. Yeah, fit over the boot. Okay, yeah. Here we I've go. Seen them and I almost got a pair, but uh, just too much heavy duty for me. I'd rather go lighter and faster. So I've just got a pair of um I bought Rab Gore-Tex ones. Um, yeah. but to be honest, I pretty much only use them when it's raining in the winter and stuff like that. Yeah, they are I've got a couple of different pairs of gators, and you're right, yeah. In, in terms of using them, definitely winter if it's boggy. Um I think um Spud makes a very good point there as well, Dave. What type of boots do you recommend for Glencoe Challenge? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Have some experience with that. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I, honestly, never going to live it down. You know, giving me a trek in and everything like that. I mean, people assume a great deal of expertise that isn't necessarily warranted. But I had, um, yeah. So the Glencoe Challenge. Um, that's something we did with Doug, um, and it's uh, 26 miles from uh, Glencoe to Fort William. Yeah. Um, yeah. So basically, right through the Scottish Highland Mountains and stuff like that. It's an amazing event. It's an amazing day. Yeah. Given that it's 26 miles long, I decided it would be a good day to break in this new pair of um, La Sportiva uh, Trangos that I bought. They are a good boot. I'll be honest They're with you. They're almost as rigid this one, though. Yeah, I can't even look at them anymore, though. <laughs> because um, five miles in, I, I knew that I'd made a mistake. Um, yeah, and you saw me at the end of the 26. I was basically like the walking wounded. I was like returning from battle and the next day i had to go and buy a pair of flip-flops because I, I just physically couldn't <laughs> like put my foot in those boots again but yeah no uh, let's have a look mate let's have a look uh i got some good questions here let's have a look uh chris tom yeah we're going to chris as well because he's mentioned about ebc island peak 
um, two different types of boots. Yeah, you're right. Because I've got another another set of boots here. Um, now this is a, the female version, but basically this is the North Face GTX Hedgehog, and these are these are uh, brilliant boots. I've actually worn, I think the first three, no, first four times I did base camp, I wore a pair of these because um, they got Vibram soles. We'll talk a bit more about the soles in a bit. But the Vibram soles are quite comfortable, not as comfortable as say the Hocker that Dave said earlier. But these will will last a lot longer. They're quite sturdy, durable. So yeah, if you were doing the trekking, Chris, it'd be these. Obviously, you know, male version for yourself. Um, any ladies out there? These are brilliant, by the way. Um, you know, and really good value. Get a pair of these for like eighty or ninety pounds. Yeah. And obviously, if you do an island peak, then something like we talked about earlier would be the Scarpa because you can you got something that's crampon compatible. Um, yeah. There's not really. Although I know it's it's always you want to be you know as organized as you can with luggage um you know and, and what you can fit in your duffel bag and you're thinking you've got two pairs to carry the thing is you're going to need them um you know if if because these are quite expensive you know you're talking 200 pound plus yeah you really are struggling in that department you can hire them locally so you know it, it's really cheap i think we're talking like you know, 20 30 pounds and yeah. use them for island peak obviously they won't be as good yeah. if you'd already worn them in but it's an option if you don't want to carry these the whole trek just for the you know the three four five yeah. days whatever it is you're taking on island peak. A little tip is um, obviously when you're getting the um, the uh, flight to Lukla, yeah, you wear the mountain boots. The main you know yeah. wear the, the heavier. That's a very good idea. Yeah, well, you know, because those um, the hedgehogs are great. I've got a pair of hedgehogs as well. My second yeah. pair. I'll be honest, I don't use them as much as I used to because now I found the Bhutans are so perfect. But that hedgehog is as near as damn it as close as I've ever gotten to a boot that seems to work with the most amount of people yeah you know it's not the most durable it's not the most flexible it's not the most stiff but because yeah. of all those not the most factors it sits right in the middle um so it does catch a lot of people and um yeah so i think i, I mean i know andy wore a pair into oblivion um i went oh, to base camp yeah. twice on one you know so yeah they're really good i actually used mine on the glencoe challenge as well although they were literally destroyed. Um, that was after four base camp trips. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and and then Glencoe Challenge, and that was it. Literally, there was nothing left of the sole. So, yeah, they do, they do wear down. Um, One thing I wanted to say was Tina, Tina Barrett, yeah, Tina, Tina. Um, specialist fitting for wide uh, feet uh, and high arches. Okay, yeah, just bringing her a question. Um, so, yes, I, you should get your feet sort of measured and stuff like that if you've got like a combination of issues because what they'll do is probably just give you like a, a custom insole to put in any boot. Um, I do know a couple of people that have gone to like a um, podiatrist and they've walked on the camera and they've had their feet pressure measured on a pressure mat and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and then they've had these custom insoles like made for them and they're like laser cut um, and you put them in any boot um, and they should fit. Now, one thing you can do as well, oh, there was this make of boot. I've forgotten the name. It They used to do skiing a lot. And do you remember the ones? It's the heat-molded boot. Yeah, they're brilliant, aren't they? Yeah, because they I, I've had them done before when I go skiing. Yeah, you've got them molded to your feet. Yeah, well, there's a couple of places that do them. In fact, I'll just look now. So heat-molded. Ellis Brigham do them. Um, Ellis Brigham, are they're big on ski wear, um, but yeah. also do a lot of outdoor wear. They're not cheap, but they... Um, you know, you can go in there and get your foot, your feet molded, basically. That's it. Uh, Technica Forge GTX. Okay, nice. Yeah, and I, I've seen them. So have a look at that. Technica, T-E-C-N-I-C-A, Forge GTX. 
They're quite expensive. It's based yeah. on, like I said, the ski technology. And I know there's a shop called Tissot that do them. Yeah. Um, but if you Google it, you'll see loads of places. And you go there and you put your feet in this heat mold. And then basically they develop a mold. So the boot apparently is the exact same shape as your feet. Um, I don't know how much about how durable they are, how good the boots are and stuff. All I know is that apparently the fit is great. Yeah, they are good. Honestly, it's having that. I mean, you know, I know there's specialty around the, the ski boots kind of things, but having it, um, having a boot that really fits, we go on about it, but it just makes it's such, such a difference, you know, yeah. yeah. especially on like a, a multi-day trek. I mean, obviously in base camp, you're trekking for 11 days, but say you're doing Gokyo Valley or even, uh, you know, Ultimate Island Peak, you know, you're on, on the on the trail for like 18 days sometimes. And, um, you know, you want to have something that will look after you. I mean, just looking at uh, going through here and, and someone mentioned about, you know, are the Bhutans a bit heavy for, uh, you know, will it be a problem? I think it was Chris Collins. Yeah. Uh, where is he? Uh, let's have a little look. Um, they are. Thanks for joining us, by the way, mate. Um, it's not, I mean, we've, I mean, I've used them on Killy and that was eight days. And you know what? At the end, it's, it's you don't even notice them. Yeah. I mean, build into it, don't they? they? They feel comfortable. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people get very hung up on the weight of the boot, you know? Yeah. And especially, you know, if you hold this one, the hocker and the Mendel together, yeah. you think, oh, my God, that's so much heavier. I can't use that. But actually, when it's, I mean, when you're on your feet, you shouldn't notice it, you know? Yeah. And oh. I wore these to Base Camp twice and Kilimanjaro. And not once do they ever think like, oh, my feet are too heavy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, like personally, I think, yeah, with regards to the boots, once they're on your feet, you don't really notice a difference. Yeah. Um, so I really, a lot of people are very weight conscious and stuff like that. Personally, I think it's the least of my concerns when I'm choosing a boot. First of all, above everything is fit. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I'm from a, like an age where, you know, you used to buy a boot and like, the, the rule was whenever you buy boots, go a size up, you know, and yeah. that's what I was doing up until a long, well, I don't know, a few years ago. It's a bit too movement there, isn't it? It's a bit too much. Yeah. And it causes blisters. Isn't Yeah. And it's not the case anymore, you know. So I was, a, I'm a size 10 and a half and I was buying a size 11 pretty much yeah. all the time. And they were comfortable because they were too big, you know, so nothing, you know, you put them on in the shop and you think they're great. But actually walking, there's too much movement, too much forward and back, which is a real problem. Yeah. Um, so now I buy a 10 and a half. And if I buy a 10 and a half and it feels too tight, then that's not the boot for me. You know, I'll buy another 10 and a half. Actually, when I put these mandles on, because I'm not used to it, I do feel sometimes that my foot is almost squashed. Not quite, but actually it doesn't rub, doesn't hurt, and they will work for me. But, yeah, um, I recommend trying a lot of different boots out but unfortunately it's one of those things where you have to try and put them on wear them around the house or maybe out and about for a day or two but don't take them to the hills yeah you know and a day or two out and about shouldn't wreck them and if you feel like oh no they're terrible then just you know give them a bit of clean put them back in the box send them off <laughs> yeah, very good. um diane's uh, made a good point as well so diane thanks for joining us again um i know you're always on these lives it's fantastic to uh, to see you so engaged mate um you mentioned about your Merrill boots and fair dues for your family as well. Happy birthday. I know it was your 60th last week or week before, um, but you've got a £150 voucher for Decathlon. Um, Dave, have you used them before? I've, I've not actually used that that um, that shop, that store. Decathlon? Sure do. 
I've used a lot. I, uh, I've been to Decathlon quite a lot because they're great. I used to buy their okay. bikes. Um, they do B-twin bikes, I think. But no, Decathlon's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I know a lot of people that go there and get a lot of decent stuff. Um, Kate Ramsey, who actually won a um, one of our free Everest base camp trips yeah. and came with yeah. last April, she got her down jacket, I believe, from Decathlon. Ah, I see. So yeah, I'm a bit. I'm not. I'm not. Although I've bought a lot of gear and some of it's quite expensive, I'm not a gear snob. You know, like if someone tells me that there's a really great, um, you know, base layer from Aldi, yeah, I'll, I'll go and buy it and try it. You know, and it, and if it's great, I'll buy twenty of them. <laughs> you know, so it's not all about you know. As a rule of thumb, the more you spend, the better quality you get. Yeah. But good is good enough, as we like to say. You know, <laughs> yeah. you don't have to go out and spend seven hundred pounds on a down jacket to be warm when you can get one for two hundred. Um, you know, like I did, I got the the light line. Yeah, it's a great jacket. You yeah. know, and that's that's often between 180 and 220 at the moment and it's great and i wore it to base camp i wore it to the summit achille in freezing temperatures yeah um so yeah honestly decathlon really really good shop um yeah and you know shop around and get as many good deals as you can yeah i think um it leads us on actually very good actually dave yeah sarah dale as well hey sarah thanks for joining us i think yeah when you're talking about different levels of quality i mean yeah you don't have to spend hundreds of pounds i mean you mentioned caramel yeah. Caramore, I would say, is probably one of the budget makes when it comes to boots. But again, if it works for you, it works for you. you know? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, like it, I've got like Caramore fleeces and some yeah. running stuff and stuff like that, and it's it's great, honestly. Um, the difficulty is, I tend to find that if you are having a little bit of trouble with certain boots, yeah, I just in my experience, you you put the feelers out and you try and find out which ones work for you. You generally start to work your way up the scale. Because a lot of the time, you you know, a lot of these technological advances that you get in the more expensive boot means they're more comfortable. Um, but, you know, yeah, absolutely, you know, great for that. Oh, yeah. And Keith Crockford, uh, Decathlon sell Salomon as well. So, yeah, absolutely good. There we go. Happy days. Um, who's next? Dave Rimington. So Dave's talked about socks then. So in terms of socks, Dave. Any, well, yeah, so I think he mentioned about the thousand mile socks or something like that. Mm. Um, yeah, I was one one of our training weekends in Brecon. Yeah, um, and I think it was Kiara that had like the thousand mile socks on, and I think they were like um, like a bamboo blend or something like that. She absolutely swore by them and loved them. Um, a lot of the time with like the the bamboo stuff as well that it um, it comes with like what, the antimicrobial stuff, which I think is really helpful for keeping your feet nice and healthy. Um, I tried to go with a merino wool blend. Um, I've, you know, pure merino wool uh, is pretty yeah. good. The the best results that I've had have been on like the the blend. You know, so you get a merino wool blend like eighty twenty. So it'll be like eighty percent merino and twenty percent some other elastic yeah. sort of material that keeps it nice and secure. And yeah, I've used those now predominantly. So I think um, smart wool are really good. Um, but if you want to just and I know they sell them in John Lewis as well. It was great. I was ordering them online, but they sell them in John Lewis. Um, but also there's a make out there called Bridgedale. Yeah. Um, very, very, very common now. They're not crazy expensive if you look online. Um, and once again, you know, you know, you can spend a huge amount of money on socks, um, but good is good enough. And these uh, Bridgedale ones that I've been using for a long time now have been great. You know, they might not last. Yeah, perfect. 
a year of like solid hiking, but if I buy like two or three pairs before I go on an expedition, it's money well spent. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, when it comes to socks, I think you're right, Dave. You can get ones for like thirty pounds or something. Yeah, um, I use merino wool. I, if if I'm especially on Killy uh, or ever Space Camp, uh, I'd say yeah, nine times out of ten, I'll be wearing a, a sock that's merino wool. Yeah, decent ones for say ten pounds. You know, well, yeah, um, you got to go outdoors, Cotswold outdoors. There's lots of options, really. Yeah, exactly. The only thing I would say is obviously do do invest a little bit of money in things like your socks and your underpants as well. You know, because <laughs> it, it honestly it, it helps. Well, I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've spent quite a bit of money on those things. Yeah, mainly because it helps with a couple of different things. One is your personal hygiene when you're trekking. You're not going to be able to shower every day. You're not going to wash every day. Um, so, you know, having the garments that that sit next to your skin being sort of antimicrobial and stuff like that, um, you know, I'm not I don't know how accurate the science is. But in my personal experience, they, they are really good and worth the yeah. money. They'll keep the sweat and salt off off your skin so you don't get chafes and sores and stuff like that. And um, and they'll be fresher and not making you sick when you smell them. Um, so yeah, that's inevitable, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, underpants and socks, you know, and 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 base layers. Anything you put next to your skin, I'd be more inclined to um, spend a little bit more money on. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, hey Shane, I know you've you've joined in as well. There's a few regulars on here, but I know Shane. I think this is your first time you've been on one of our lives. So um, yeah, you mentioned you about zero experience, and you know, in terms of all the brands, there are a lot out there, and you're right, it can be a bit bit overwhelmed when you're thinking about all of these but um if you like we'll put a link to our uh, equipment guide lauren i know you if you're on the live if you could put the link to the equipment guide just so we can get um just so shane can download it it's really um it basically has all the the different makes that we talk about yeah um, as we've said we, we, we're talking about loads of different types of boots now but there are you will find some that are good for you um you know just try some out even if you get a pair for say 80, 90 pounds, get it obviously as soon as you can get out, um, you know, give them a try and I'm sure you'll find one that works for you. Exactly. Uh, yeah. You know, then if you, if, if you are looking at coming on a trip with us and you want to come onto the training weekend, more than happy for you to, um, to bring, you know, your, your boots, uh, different types of boots and we can have a look and, um, you know, give them a try over the two days, a hundred percent. I know yeah, John, John yeah, Adam, is, you can watch this back. Yeah, oh, John from Brecon. Yeah, you can watch this back, and you can also we've done yeah. a podcast episode about equipment. Um, but the main thing is, you know, so th this is why we we always end up talking about everything. But this is why we're trying to break it down and talk today about boots. Last week about sleeping bags, um, because it's easier if you plan a trip long enough in advance that you can just concentrate on one bit at a time. You know. Yeah. Um, so you know, if you were looking for a pair of boots and you wanted some advice on that pick up the phone, give us a call, drop us an email. I'm more than yeah. happy to have a chat with anyone about equipment. Um, you know, I'm running out of people who aren't bored about it. <laughs> so um, someone new to talk to would be amazing. <laughs> now, Amanda, um, a good question, actually, in terms of how many pairs of socks you take on the Gokyo Trek. Um, yeah, so the Gokyo Trek with us is is 18 days. So you'd be on the trail 14, 15 days. So, yeah. Normally, you know, you want to kind of aim. I know you're out there for a couple of weeks, but really you're looking at about four or five pairs. Um, it's part of part of where you are. You'll be reusing ones you've used for like two or three days. Um, and after a while, the ones you use at the beginning of the trip haven't been washed. But by the time you get to the end, they will actually be the freshest that you own. That's so you, <laughs> is, is that, would you take any more than that, Dave? Um, I've started taking a few more just because I've collected more. 
Yeah. Uh, and they don't weigh anything. But like if I was going, let's say I was doing Everest Base Camp, which is an 11 day trek, I might have four or five pairs of boxes, but I've done it with as little as two. Wouldn't recommend that. So, and then maybe four or five pairs of socks. And um, I'll try and change them every day. You know, and like Andy said, do a rotate, you know, so if you've got five pairs, you know, when you get back, once you've gone through five, you go back to the first pair um, and stuff like that. One thing you are able to do if you've got a little bit longer, um, especially on stuff like the Everest Base Camp Trek, because of where you are and the fact you're in lodges and stuff like that. I have known people like, you know, give them a little rinse and a scrub and stuff like that. And then on the acclimatization days, you know, you can put them out in the sun and dry things. So if you are dead keen on keeping your stuff clean and stuff like that, you can do it. Personally, I just sort of grin and bear it, muddle on through, um, and yeah, de- deal with the deal with the horrendous bag of washing at the end. <laughs> yeah, especially when you get back to to Kathmandu and it's um, you know all the all the dirt and grime comes off you. But you know that's 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 part of the adventure at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. That, I put that up there, Dave, just because Dave Rimington makes a good point. You know, in terms of any drying rooms on the route, I think you've you've said it there. In terms of you, you can do it. You, you will go past people and they've got their socks and their underpants on the back of their their backpack. Yeah, I've never done it myself personally because I think it's it's quite dusty. You know, if they're wet and they're trapped in the dust, but you know, it works for some people. Um, yeah, you know, so definitely, you know, if that works for you, maybe give it a try. But sometimes, you know, it's just about grinning and bearing it. Um, you know, being dirty in a, in a remote region is part of part of the adventure, and nothing that can't be washed when when you're done. Yeah. Well, exactly, yeah. And I also think, you know, with regards to that, I, it's about keeping, again, what's next to your skin dry. Yeah. You know, so um, I will do things like, you know, if I know it's going to be a hard day and it's a hot day, um, in advance, I'll just get a base layer and stuff it in my day pack. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when if it gets absolutely saturated and then later on in the afternoon it gets a bit cold or something like that, I can swap it out and put a dry one on. And it makes you feel fantastic, you know, just putting on something dry, um not covered in salt that keeps your you know your skin nice yeah. and fresh because um honestly it is one of those things that like i've really started to focus on when i go on these trips you know it's like looking after the body looking after my health and stuff like that because you you find that at the end of the trip the trip you know you're ready to go back up again you know instead of being completely defeated when you get down yeah you know, to get rid of those horrible shower and food fantasies you know if you bring some snacks with you and you look after yourself you're not sitting there going oh i can't wait to go to shower <laughs> um, very good point very good i know um byron who's been on the last four or five lives we've done but uh, hey, byron, thanks for joining us again you mentioned about the training weekends very good point i know lauren uh our social yeti has put the link to the training weekends but at the moment we've got one actually um put in place for august uh, and september um at the moment i know there's a few people on here who are technically on those weekends we're still um, at the moment, they're going ahead as far as we know, but um, we'll definitely keep you updated about whether they're going ahead. If not, we'll we'll definitely push them into the winter. Um, to be honest, you know, we, we do them in the Brecon Beacons and it kind of always rains in the summer and it's actually dry when we do the winter ones. So you never know, there'll be some benefit. Maybe we'll get some winter conditions, which would be nice. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it's it definitely when it comes to November, December, you start to get yeah. some snow on the, on the peaks on Penavan, um, you know, so... We'll, we'll see about that. But Byron, yeah, we'll definitely update you. Definitely have a look at the, the details on the website. I know Lauren's put the link there, Byron. Um, again, I know you're going to Killy. I believe you're going to Killy in 2022, aren't you, Byron? So you've got a bit of time yet. We'll be releasing some for next year. Yeah. Um, but we'll definitely keep you updated. No, they are really good. We've got John here, as you can see him in the comments. John Adams, he's our um, the great bald yeti. 
He's our um, coordinator, isn't he? Yeah, basically a training day coordinator. So, um, you know, he lives basically in the heart of where we do our trekking. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, John's the guy that will be sort of um, – he kind of leads the way with regards to the route that we take, and he'll do little reckeys and find out the best places to go and things like that. Um, but, yeah, Byron, they're a great day. So, basically, you turn up on the Friday. Friday's all about meet and greet, say hello to the gang. We go to the pub. We have some food. And then on Saturday morning, we wake up early, have a breakfast, um, and then we head out um, and do um, quite a famous, um, well-trodden track around Brecon Beacons called the Horseshoe Ridge, yeah. um, which is a really nice walk. It's really good. The reason why we like it is because it's got a good mixture of, like, ridge walking, hills, peaks, and stuff like that. And it gives us a really good opportunity to do like a dry run for your trek. Yeah. So, um, you know, we'll talk about pacing, hydration, nutrition and things like that. Um, yeah. But what it's really about is, you know, turning you guys into sort of a trekking expert before you get on the plane. Um, one other thing we do is we pack our bags for like, say, a base camp trip or a killy trip, yeah. you know, and I'll put my bag in the room and then we can all look at it. And it's a hundred percent of everything that I bring right down from the little things that I don't need right then, like sunscreen in Wales, very rarely needed. <laughs> yeah. Um, sunglasses and stuff like that. It's all in there, you know. So yeah. you guys can have a look in there. And if you want to make an itemized list, you can. We do provide lists. Um, but there, you know, we talk about some hacks as well, little things you can do to make your life a little bit easier on the mountain. So, no, it'd be great to see you there, Byron. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, we're like everyone else. We kind of want to get back to to, to get into the outdoors. And, you know, it's been a, a almost three months now, um, you know, and it's it's kind of we can especially in Wales. It's still the same sort of lockdown procedure. Really, you can you can walk from your house, but you can't drive anywhere. I know it's slightly different in England um and, and scotland and, and northern ireland but um you know as soon as we are able to to get out and, and get back to doing what we love then you know uh, then we will um yeah so hopefully and byron will definitely keep you updated um with that uh, so thanks for bringing that up mate yes. um, um sarah yeah. Dale, she's mentioned something about our weekends near glencoe we're gonna start doing them aren't we dave we're, we're looking at it yeah definitely we got we got some really good um really good guys up there and some good teams that um, yeah. that do sort of winter skills training, crampon training and things like that. Um, that's what, that's really what we'd love to do in the Scottish Highlands. You know, we can yeah. do so much more because the conditions are relatively predictable. If you want snow and winter conditions in Wales, it's a little bit less predictable as Dave Rimmington said, they're, um, you know, dry in Brecon. Yes. Being <laughs> Welsh, we are part aquatic. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, we will um, definitely, um, I mean, I'm almost 100%. We will be doing stuff up in Glencoe and that sort yeah, of area at some point. Um, it's just laying the groundworks because we've set a standard now with what we like to do. Um, so it takes a little bit of preparation with route planning, the team there, the you know all that sort of stuff, accommodation. We want to get 100% right. But we've pretty much got it nailed down. Yeah, um, we have, haven't we? I, I know we're looking at North Wales because we've got a... Um... We've got some good friends up in North Wales who do a lot of our, our winter skills. Um, I know we've had some ever trekkers go up there and do some winter skills before they do Island Peak. Yeah. Um, with Steve uh, Jones, who's at Aim Hire. So um, we're looking to put something together in North Wales, um, which is kind of first thing. I know we're, we're trying to trying to get out into England and Scotland because we have a lot of customers from um, you know around about the Lake District, Peak District. Yeah. And especially in Scotland, we have a lot of ever trekkers from up there. So yeah, we, we certainly will be um, you know putting together some additional training weekends. Um, as you can imagine, we're we're kind of based in South Wales, so we kind of like to keep it relatively close. But we are looking to um, yeah sort of expand a little bit into um, running the weekends further afield, definitely. 
Yeah, awesome. Nice one as well. By the way, John's answering some questions here. Um, yeah, John is actually part of the Evertrek team. He's like extended family. Um, you know, so yeah, any training weekend questions. Yeah. Um, have we got John's address? Can we put that up? And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Ginger O'Sullivan. I was I was actually in school um, with Anthony, actually. But uh, hey, how you doing, mate? Um, yeah, nice to see you on the live. And he's booked on a training weekend in August. So fingers crossed, mate. They, it all um, it all goes ahead. Uh, obviously, we'll, we'll we'll keep you updated, and it'll be good to see you. Um, but yeah, just going through now. Any more questions, guys? Do pop them on. I mean, it's always great. I know we do these every week. Um, it feels like we've been doing them a while now, isn't it? Since since March time, we've been doing them, Dave. Yeah, there is one from uh, Chris Collins. Is that Major Chris Collins? Um, no, it can't be because he's done this before. It might be anyway. If it is Major Chris Collins, and I know you, congrats. Hello, how are you? If it's yeah, not, great. it's nice to meet you. Um, but no, with regards to that, yeah. So he's asked, um, is it um worth bringing a pair of like um, trail running or running shoes for the lower altitudes? Very good point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's one of the things we did want to cover actually, because I need yeah. like a pair of um, like what we'd call approach yeah, shoes, approach like that. Yeah. yeah, which are quite popular on the hill. Now, yeah. if you're asking Evertrek for their advice, our advice is always just wear boots. Um, you know, wear them from the first day of the trip to the last because they are more protective, you know, and having something like this, you know, with the ankle support and there are clever ways you can tie your boots that make them really secure. It means that you're less likely to roll an ankle. You know, if you're walking along and you kind of do that, if you're wearing something like Andy's boot that he just showed you, you can easily damage an ankle. I know yeah. John from Brecon knows what rolling an ankle is like wearing a boot just means you're that extra bit protected now it is marginal you know so yeah. you know we're not saying that these are bulletproof and you're not going to pick up an injury but when you're doing something like a life's adventure and stuff like that um why take the risk these are marginal yeah, exactly. gains which accumulate into um a big gain so yeah i personally wear boots another reason is as well that when you wear those trail running shoes and things like that, the the emphasis is that people think that means you can go faster. You know, yeah, yeah. we don't want you to go faster. We want you to go slow, slower even than you perhaps would do normally back at home. Yeah. So yeah, getting properly kitted up. I mean, you can wear like shorts and t-shirts and things like that, but just take care of yourself in ways that, you know, can be a trip ender, like rolling an ankle or blowing a knee. It can happen. It can happen. I mean, I was, I was out walking the dog the other day and literally and I was wearing these, you know, because, only for like 45 minutes and for the first time in years i actually rolled an ankle um yeah. you know, luckily didn't have any any lasting damage for a couple of days it was relatively sore but you imagine you're doing that on a rock on the way to base camp um yeah. you know, and, and you've still got 11 days of trekking ahead of you, uh, uh, you, know, you always, always have ankle protection you know? yeah i mean you've got only two choices if that type of thing happens yeah and you can't walk which is go down or join horse club and go up <laughs> yeah there's something to be said for horse club. You know, if you see people going down on a horse or something like that, I've got no problem with it, you know, but there's yeah. some people they I've seen uh, in April and when we were there, they were on yeah, their yeah. base camp on a horse. And I just think, well, we could do the helicopter tour and it would be easier. You know, looked, didn't you? It was, it was a few people like buggers. Maybe. Yeah. You know, <laughs> How do you, but it's acclimatizing as well. Cause if you're doing that, I mean, like, you know, hopefully this won't happen. And you know, if you're on a trip with us, and, you know, what we're saying here is advice, you know, if it works for you and you want to wear trail shoes, that's fine. But with boots, um, you know, it will protect your ankle and you'll have a much better time. Exactly. Um, you, know, you can wear those trail shoes then in the evening when maybe we're walking around the village. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're staying in Namche Bazaar, we'll be spending a couple of days. 
uh, you want to walk around, go get a coffee, you know, go play Scrabble in the local cafe, um, you know, which you can, um, you know, then you've got something you can get out of your boots in the evening. Exactly. Uh, then, yeah. then wear your trail shoes. Obviously, be careful. I mean, that's the thing. You're all you're all adults. You know, you can make your own decision. I've seen people yeah. wear trainers. I saw a guy trekking in jeans. You know, yeah. we're not. It's not a. It's not a dictatorship. You know, some things are like go slow, drink water. But um, <laughs> you know, what you want to wear is up to you. Um, but if you're asking our advice and you're and you're willing to follow it, then wear boots. But otherwise, no. Enjoy <laughs> I think um, I mean you know, Tina makes a good point as well. She's put in the comments there. I mean, she wore boots and fractured her ankle. I mean, what, mate, that must have been a hell of a fall. But um, you know, it can happen. But you know, hopefully, by by having as much protection as you can can have, um, you know, it, it limits the the chances of something happening. Because if that happens, you know, and it, it does stop you, it can. I can imagine it must be super frustrating. I know I've seen it a few times. Uh, it, it wasn't people in our group, but uh, seeing people getting carried down or even getting getting. Yeah about out there um you know because they've rolled an ankle um i know some people we follow climbing everest and they were at base camp um again just sort of you know in, in their, one of their rotations of climbing everest walking around base base camp in just their trail shoes and uh, rolled an ankle game over couldn't climb everest you know yeah. so, so well, it's just 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 take it easy yeah it's an it's a risk with any type of adventure travel you know yeah. it's not 100 percent secure in any respect you know, when you go to places like the Himalaya or you go to Kilimanjaro or Morocco or anywhere, really, yeah. risk you, you do risk. You risk sickness and injury um, and, you know, various other different things that can get in the way. However, the one thing I would say is that there are things you can do, like I said, those marginal gains that help everything. Having the extra ankle support of a boot does help. Also, walking slowly, you know, does help. Yeah. You know, when you're walking more slowly you know you're more aware of your surroundings you're not as fatigued so you don't go into sort of like a fuzzy brain you know when you're just like head down plowing on yeah. um yeah take it easy take it slow enjoy yourself be wary of your surroundings place your feet carefully and that's all easier to do if you're slow and not exhausted um so yeah all part of the mountain rules yeah good shout no it's, it's right it's it, even the other day like i mentioned rolling my ankle a little bit there was because i was just I was I was thinking about things and not even thinking about what where I was placing my feet. Um, it's kind of not normal for me, but I was you know it happens to anyone. Um, you know we all we all trip, we all fall. Um, you know and it's and, and Dave's right. Like when you're on the trip, when you're on the trip, um, enjoy yourself. You know, be mindful of where you are. You know, take it all in. Be almost be conscious of where you place your feet. Yeah. Uh, you know, and again, I don't want to seem like we're teaching you to suck eggs here because you know when you when you're walking it is just walking i don't want to teach you to walk because you can already do that <laughs> but um yeah just just take it easy and take it slow and and you'll have yeah. an amazing time so amanda said when we say slow how slow are we talking um yeah those of you that all um have been like following us for a while will know um the story about my father um the slowest known man <laughs> the earth. Like, um, I often joke that like um, there's certain types of moss that only grows on the back of my dad when he's out walking. <laughs> he's so like I remember walking up Penavan and um, I was just on Corndy waiting for him and I could see him on the horizon and I could see his arms were moving and he looked like he was walking, but he wasn't getting any closer. <laughs> <That was amazing. laughs> so, no, the, um, I mean, look, I mean, if you're walking, you're walking fast enough, you know, um, you should be able to talk like this you know even when you're going uphill yeah. you won't be able to we say that but everyone's like, 
<laughs> you could you're able to hold a conversation uh, that's what you normally say if you can hold a conversation with someone and then you're um you know and then you then you walk in the right pace i mean exactly you know we, we talk on killy i mean um you know on the, on our gps watches it wasn't even saying that we were moving we were going <laughs> i look back and it says we're only moving for two hours i was like wait a sec i just did a 12-hour walk yeah yeah it, it is it is um yeah but honestly slowness is not like uh, it's a tool you know it's a tool for acclimatization and if you're naturally slow amanda then you're already better prepared to go to high altitude than a lot of people yeah exactly it's one of those things i mean pace is is, is always like you don't have to think okay oh, in the right place like lean on your guide your guide will um you know depending on um, I mean, literally lean on him yeah, lean on him yeah <laughs> No, but if you've got, say, say there's like 10 of you in a group, you'll also have some assistant guides. So, you know, they'll be at the front, the back, and then in the middle. So basically, they'll be controlling the pace anyway. Um, you know, naturally, you'll get some people, like we've trekked with people who like to be that little bit quick uh, on the trails. And, you know, we have to sort of pull them aside and say, look, don't go too quick because tomorrow you'll be suffering. Uh, you used a, a really good example. Was it last, last week we were talking about, um, you know, acclimatizing speed? You think if you're reaching the destination an hour ahead of the, rest of the team, yeah. um, you know, by the end you get to base camp, say, you know, it takes eight days. You've got eight hours less of acclimatization than um, than someone else. Exactly. You know, which is a good night's sleep, you know. Yeah, exactly. Sleep, you know, eight hours less acclimatization yeah. at altitude makes a big difference. Yeah. No, it does. Exactly. Um, hey, James. Oh, James hasn't joined us for a while, but James was on our, our hey, team. Papa Tembo. We literally leaned on our guides. <laughs> yeah, Papa Tempo is um, James's um, uh, really talented photographer that came with us to Kilimanjaro. Yep, and um, yeah, quite impressive, really, because before we went to Kilimanjaro, he was—I mean, he was deep, deep in training um, in Las Vegas. Las Vegas, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we we wouldn't normally prescribe that sort of training regime, um, but yeah, no, James did amazing and uh, and summited with us in February. Um, yeah. Those were the good times, eh, James? Look what's happened to us since we come back. We should have stayed in Tanzania. <laughs> it's a good job we did it in February, right? Yeah. Uh, literally, since we come back, we haven't been able to do anything. But um, now, James, I think, I think James will, won't mind me saying, but he didn't do, like you said, he did Vegas. Uh, he's not really into his into his hiking. Um, you know, but fair news to him. Turned up, did Killy. Um, struggled with his knees a little bit on, on, the, on the downhill, on the descent, which is you know, it's a long descent anyway. But I take my hat off to him. Fair news. Yeah. Even yeah. saying that, though, do you remember the last day, which was my lowest day? Yeah. When we were walking from um, Barafu camp down to the lower camp. Yeah. And we kind of pushed on and we got there. And when we got there, we were thinking like, oh, that was quite tough. You know, James might be an hour. And yeah. he was like five, maybe 20 minutes max behind us. Yeah, not, not long. You know? yeah. So it just goes to say slow and steady really does win the race, you know, because you'll arrive in far better condition than if you rush. So take it easy. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, James, good to see you on here, mate. Um, I'll definitely catch up with you later. But, uh, right, we've been going a while now. Any more questions? Let's, let's have a look. Uh, oh, no. I mean, one person, what about thin socks? Um, personally, yeah. I bring a mixture. So I'll bring heavier socks and thin socks. Um, the more time goes on, you can get really good quality thinner pairs of socks. Yeah. Um, you know, like uh, the Merino wool light, they're called. Um, I'll wear them because they make your feet breathe. On really cold days, I'll wear a mid. Very rarely will I wear like a heavy sock. Uh, just makes your feet sweat yeah no good question really good i'm, I'm the same i because I, dave i know you run hotter than me you tend to to sweat a bit more don't you yeah um you know but yeah if personally it's, it's what works for you in the uk 
would generally work for you on a trip. So for me, I normally wear, like I said earlier, nine, nine times out of 10, I'll be wearing a Merino wool sock, um, whether I'm out walking, even if I'm in the office. Um, but in the evenings, if you want to wear a thinner sock, I'd say, for me, that's what I kind of do, just yeah. to air my feet a little bit. Um, and talking about when you're looking after your feet. I think Chris, uh, yeah, Chris, great to see you on here this week, mate. I know you've had a few questions. You mentioned about, I've seen these insulated slippers for the tea houses. Yeah. Um, I've never used them. I've seen, I know Elaine who was with us in Killy, and she's also joined us on Everest Base Camp. Um, she wore them on Everest Base Camp, and I have to be honest, I was slightly jealous. Um, Dave, have you ever used them before? No, I would throw them on the fire. Um, <laughs> no, my, my dad's worn them. He loved them. Um, but personally, like I run quite hot. Um, and unless I've been cycling in the rain, I've never really had like cold feet. So I'm more likely to let my feet breathe a little bit, you know. But um, yeah. I think that if you are the type of person that has cold feet, likes warm feet, bring them. You won't be on your own. Like I said, yeah. my father's got a pair. He won't stop going on about them. He wanted me to take them to Killy. <laughs> <laughs> no, great stuff. No, great question. Um, and I, I think, yeah, if, you, if you're worth getting, go for it, Chris. Um, test them out, mate. It's uh, Let us know how you get on. I know Ramona. Um, yeah, thanks for – this is a different Ramona, though, because I know we, we always have uh, Ramona, who's actually not on this week. Um, but she mentions about vegan gear. I know – I don't know. Earlier on, Ramona, there was a lady called uh, Diane. Um, now she is coming to, she's booked on a few trips with us. She's coming to us with Everest Base Camp, um, Killy, uh, Matupkal, and uh, Machu Picchu. But she um, has asked for us about vegan. I'll tell you what we'll do. We will put, because we, we haven't got it at the moment in terms of all the equipment. I think, Dave, we, we can put something together around that, can't we? Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, Diana said here as well, she's bought all vegan yeah. gear. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we do have a list of recommendations, but to be honest, it's probably not um that sort of heavy on the vegan stuff there's something we need to probably get on it is actually yeah we'll, but, we'll um, ramona if you are on the high altitude ever trackers group yeah. post on there i'm pretty sure diane can point you in the right direction and give you yeah. lots of good recommendations um and yeah keep posting about it because i'd be keen to know what you get as well but i know there are a lot of really good options out there yeah. Um, yeah. So ha have a look at it. But yeah, see if you can hook up with Diane on the group, um, High Altitude Ever Trackers or something, and have a chat. Yeah, definitely. No, I think it's. Um, I think as time goes on, you know, we we've got some lists there, but I know we we can have different lists for different things. Where it's definitely on the um, on the to do list, isn't it? We'll we'll definitely get something out yeah. there for you. So Ramona will will send that over. But in the interim, yeah, post on the group. And I think anyone that's watching, if you've got any questions, um, you know, that we necessarily don't cover today, don't forget to put them in the group. Because it's all of all of our ever trackers, people who, who have been with us, people who are going. Um, it's a great little forum there that you know you'll you you, know, you post it on there, and, and there'll be a couple of people replying and with some recommendations. Um, you know, and I think Diane especially, uh, you know, she's done a lot of research and has bought some equipment that's vegan. Um, you know, I've been to base camp a couple of times with uh, a couple of vegans who had vegan boots. Um, I think they were scarpers as well. Um, you know, similar to these, obviously not as not as rigid. Um, but there's there's plenty of options out there. Uh, but Ramona, I think if you become best friends with Diane, she'll uh, she'll help you out yeah, with that. I think what they just said, Merrill um, or Morel do um, vegan boots. So yeah, have a look into it, and um, yeah, that's how you get on. Nice. Well, Dave, I think we're we're pretty much done. I know we've um, been on almost an hour. I can't believe it flies by, doesn't it, on these lives? Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you're watching, I hope you you know that's helped today. If there's any um, any any questions we haven't gone over, we'll we'll definitely go through 
um, pick them up and, and get back, uh, you know, get back to you. Um, otherwise, we'll be back next week. Um, as always, if you need any of the Yetis, do uh, send us a little message or email, um, you know, and, and obviously join us next week on the Tuesday tune-in. But thanks, Dave. No worries. Thanks, guys. We'll see you in the 70s boardroom. Um, yeah, this is it. Yeah, I'm missing the seventies boardroom. I know we're, we're missing those on the lives right now. Well, well, yeah. Well, weirdly, I could open my curtains again now because um, <laughs> you guys couldn't. You guys couldn't hear it, but I had the the window cleaner there behind the window and opened my lives. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, nice, mate. Good to see you. And um, yeah, thanks for joining us, guys. And we'll uh, we'll catch you next week. All the best, guys. Bye. Bye. Awesome. So I hope you enjoyed the uh, another episode of the Mountain Malarkey podcast. Um, yeah, that was something a little bit different, wasn't it, from the Tuesday tune-in, but I hope yeah. you enjoyed it. I must say, you were brilliant on that episode, Ant. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thanks. Now, if, uh, if you've enjoyed it, don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe to the podcast. Um, you know, all these uh, podcasts we put together, the episodes, trying to reach as many people as possible. And if it's helped you, leave us a lovely review. Um, and yeah, we'll see you again next week. Yeah, all the best, guys. Bye. <laughs> I'm